Hi there, welcome along. This is Change FM at Christmas, and as usual, we're going to have a lovely lineup of interesting, new, exciting guests. And we've been here for two years. I'm your host, Gary Gooden, and thanks for keeping us company for all this time. And without further ado, let's start the show. This is Change FM at Christmas. Change FM, Gary Gooden with you, we're out on the road again. This is going to be the one of the most brilliant interviews I've ever done because we're at the Lever Gallery and an exhibition called Mavericks and I'm with Peter Ashworth. Welcome to Change FM, Peter. Thank you very much. Now the 1980s pop culture, why? Why? Well, I came into London in 1976 and went to college for three years London was a really different place then. It was quite empty and no one really wanted to live here. Everyone seemed to commute in. And it was a haven for photographers, for students generally, unlike now, because there was space to do things and there were places to crash and you could find a squat and you could live there quite easily. And partly because I was social secretary at London College of Printing and so I was booking bands, having been a drummer earlier in my life, um, that made me lots of friends, maybe lots of contacts. And then I, I left college and, and met a few people, assisted and found myself in Covent Garden, uh, right next to uh, a shop. When was uh, the Covent that, Garden? That, yeah, was, that, was... that was probably, well, 79, 80, I suppose. Okay. Um, and who works in the shop, but Steve Strange. And I sort of found myself in the middle of the Blitz Kids without even knowing what was going on. Um, I was trying to be a really good photographer, not necessarily a music photographer. I wasn't really sure what I was trying to be, but basically finding myself amongst all these people who wanted pictures, suddenly I was doing amazing pictures of quite extraordinary kids who were trying to break the system in a way. Um, and, and my photography of them helped them to define what they were doing. I'm not trying to sound arrogant in a way, but if you had a good image, then the media are interested in your story. It's, okay. it's always been like that a bit. It's, it's, it's like what the PR companies do now. So we're here in the Lever Gallery. Yeah, in, actually, uh, we haven't spoken about the yeah, Now, we're with your exhibition now. Um, could we do a sort of um, a verbal tour? Yeah, absolutely. So should, we, should we start with... Um, <laughs> Obviously, the first picture was middle eighties, Adam, early middle eighties. Adam was about to go on top of the pops. He wanted okay. to see what he looked like. There was a video crew in this little office in Brixton, and I was called along as a stills guy. I couldn't get to see him because the room was so tiny, and his <laughs> video guys were everywhere. But there was a TV to the side. Okay, and so I started shooting pictures off the TV, as well as shooting pictures of himself. And when I looked at them later, the pictures on the TV were actually more interesting than the real shots of him. That's an album sleeve from yeah, Kings from Loire Frontier. It, it is. Can we go around the corner? And we it's can a lovely indeed. Gallery of there's, there's a lot of pictures to this go. This is the one that I want to talk about. The lovely, lovely grandmother of pop, <laughs> Tina Turner. Not sure she'd be happy with that. Now, this, this, this picture is a picture is for brilliant. the private Iconic dancer. picture. She is actually... <laughs> Singing into a vacuum cleaner. I won't say Hoover, that's a brand name. Uh, and those legs are just brilliant. I mean, now. This was, the re this was the point of reinvention of Tina Turner, the private dancer album. 
basically re-kicked her career off. Yeah. I photographed her for two days and I did ten different what shots. What was she like? What was she like? Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. She actually turned up with a manager and she was oh, not that well. I always imagine that she'd be a bit snooty. No, not at all. She was A she bit was of I would pink champagne on my shoes Not at all. Like no, she was no? game for anything. <laughs> an absolute delight. I couldn't believe I was photographed. I suppose I was a bit starstruck. Did you, mean, did you actually have a say in how she appeared? No. Now, her manager was reinventing her. Okay. Basically, uh, the, the fishnet tights and the little pink dress, that was one of his trademarks for her. One question. Uh, did you find her sexy? Yeah. When you were behind Absolutely. that camera? No, she's wicked. This one might be worth bringing in because it's Visage. Well, if you... Uh, visage one. Oh, Visage, So we've yes. got to do this, really. Well, Fate of Grey was one of my favourites back in the 80s. Yeah, well, I actually got involved in the Visage thing right from the word go. So this was already hey. almost the fourth shoot of my whole career. But the first shoot was Tar, and I did Mind of a Toy as well. This is actually a bit special. I was still a photographic assistant to three photographers in Covent Garden. The shop next door to their studio was PX, which was the shop where Steve Strange worked, and two streets away was the Blitz Club. This was the beginning of the centre of the world. Uh -huh. um, and this was actually shot in the Blitz Club. Um, Steve is dancing with a girl called Vivian Lin, who was the top fashion model at the time. Okay. And the people behind the dust sheets uh, Stephen Jones. That's the um, band. That's a band. Yeah, that's there. the band. Stephen Jones playing trumpet. Kareth Wynne Evans, a Britpop artist, playing double bass. Uh, and I thought it was Chris Sullivan from the Wag Club in the, with the microphone, but I've since been told it's a guy called Daryl Humphreys. So this again is a picture of a moment with people who were all going to do quite amazing yeah. things, and, <laughs> and I was just amazingly there to photograph it. A yeah. bit more round, a bit more round we go. Um, obviously, Mark Helmond, Soft Cell. Dave Ball. Um, this is the bed sitter. So this is Soft Cell's bed sitter cover. This is the actual cover so image. So just to talk through it, um, we've got Mark Helmond and Dave Ball. And, They're uh, standing in front of a blue background of pots, pans, knives and forks, right, basically. <laughs> and this was the first shoot where Mark started telling me off because I hadn't built the set right. And the pots and pans kept falling off the background. Every time I went to take a shoot, another pot would fall off because I hadn't done it properly. And it drove them mad. So they started <laughs> telling me off. Well, they don't and, look very happy. <laughs> well, no, they don't look very happy. And everyone's wondered they why. They were meant to be smiling before that photo was taken. <laughs> they probably were much more relaxed. Well, the, there was only three of us. And every time I went to take a picture, another pan would fall off. So they started telling me off. Well, so actually, I and the band were nervous. But you know what? That's what made it no, work. While I'm on about it, I mean, their expressions, were they... Were they told to look because they're just staring no, at it's just space. it's just the three of us it's just three blokes together. both very thoughtful I, I i asked them to sort of gaze into the distance oh so you actually asked them to do well that. i probably did but it, you know what that 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 mistake created a picture i sort of you, you realize that sometimes do you find it happens very often that, i know, try not to have mistakes a mistake like that. in a studio uh, no, 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 an image that you weren't i can only look back mentioned. 30 years and say yes that was a great do idea. you remember it like it was yesterday? Uh, yes, yeah, you're asking me about it. I'm afraid I am reliving it, yes. That's pretty cool. I mean, we're living everything here. I'm reliving my secret uh, school. No, I'm so. actually, I'm time travelling. This right. is time we're travel for me. We're round again, we're going round again. Now, this is one that I have to, I have to ask you about. I 
See, everyone the loves James this. Bond of pop, <laughs> Mr. Brian Ferry. Look at that. He could be George Lays and be gone wrong. <laughs> No, no, I'm joking. It just looks so cool, doesn't it? Yeah, it's... Roxy it's, music. It's sort of a cliché. It's a cliché. He was always sort was of... Was he um, supposed to look like, like he was sort of meant to be some sort of secret agent with the cigarette and the suit, the sharp suit? No. Uh, I mean, and the gelled hair and everything. Basically, he wasn't really... I hadn't got any set for this guy, and so it was a very close-up head-and-shoulders shot. I remember him turning up with a ratty little suitcase and he sort of opened it and asked me if I had an iron. I said, yeah. <laughs> and he started ironing his shirts. <laughs> and it's like, my God, it's so, I mean, that's quite wild. You don't expect that to happen. I love it. Um, it was a very, it was only about three of us in the room. And it sort of was an obvious picture of the guy. He's just a very cool dude, very loud. Is that how, when you first met him, did you think, oh, this is it? Yeah. I'd like to envisage him with like, a cigarette in his hand looking a bit No, dirty. I mean, you know, he, there he was, there I was, that's what he did, I photographed it. it they didn't it really direct him. He knew who he was in the picture. Annie Lennox. There you go. I was hoping the, the listeners touch, might just the, say it on their own. The touch yeah. album cover. Actually, but it wasn't done for the album cover, first of all. This was done for the Face magazine. And the record company and the band loved the picture so much for the first time ever, a picture that had been seen around the world on a magazine cover was then used by a major label for the album cover. It's very, and guess it's what? very David Bowie-esque in this, would uh, you say? She, yeah, well, she, yeah she, she was playing on role, gender roles and all sorts. And in actual fact, this orange hair of hers um, wasn't going to be how she performed. She was going to wear a long black wig. And she did an early gig and the wig fell off. And when the audience saw her short red hair, they went nuts. <laughs> I mean, the whole place went crazy. Wow, she see, thought, there's a story. So, yeah. so, so she suddenly just thought, well, okay, that works. I better go that with that. That does work. It and does it, work. And, it, and, it, and then that was the... Um, and so this, this cover with Annie Lennox, I'm just going to say it for the listeners, with the black mask on. And the bent um, arms. The bent arms. I mean, that was from which album cover? Touch. It was the, uh, I can't remember That's what year it is. Yeah. Eurythmics Touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, oh, wait. So, well, I have to have a quick okay, look. I shot it the 1st of September 1983. 1983. Um, sounds so long ago, doesn't it? No, the magazine. Oh, right, right. The, the magazine, when they wanted to use the cover, they cut out the background, which. Oh, okay. Had, it, 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 you can see it's got a cut out around. It looks fake. The, oh. the edge isn't quite right because it was cut out by the magazine, but then the picture was lost. So I only actually have the retouch version of it. I wouldn't have retouched. So you're happy? I'm happy I've got a version of it. I'm sad that the other one, the original, was being lost. I'm really sad. Oh, yeah, well, and I'm lots of my pictures so, got yeah. thrown away by the record companies and all sorts. So, so have you met Eddie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I. I, I, I um, I went out with her for a while, um, and, and I was going out with her at the time we did oh, the shoot. Oh, get out of town, so you went out of any Lennox. It was just me I'm and her. I'm talking to a superstar, this is exclusive for Change of <laughs> Thank you very much. I quite like a, a, an interviewer who starts actually raving during the interview. Oh. You know what, all these pictures are local. They're all shot, most of these pictures are all shot London, within a couple of miles basically. of where we are. Well, we've been through yeah. the, how long is your exhibition on for? 
And uh, it was going to be on to the 8th of December, but it's been shifted to the 16th, and it might even be to the 23rd now. Okay. So it's going right, I think it's going right up to Christmas. But you'll be still on the internet, so could you please, oh, yeah. for our listeners, promote your websites? Yeah, there's loads of people who can't make the show. So I've actually had a website especially built which shows the show in brilliant detail. You can actually go right inside the pictures. It's um, HTTPS Ashworth.photos and that's P-H-O-T-O-S. It's an amazing website being built by a guy who won Apple Awards for his coding. And you can go 300% into the pictures. That, that means you can go and look at someone's eye in a picture wow. and it's okay. like my god well, and then you can move still. that thing all around it <laughs> oh and there's stories for every picture on the website so check it out it doesn't cost anything Absolutely. to go there and it's, it's I'm really going gorgeous there. I'm going to be there great I was going to buy a better cam uh, phone first before <laughs> get oh, yeah. computer oh and the pictures <laughs> the pictures will work on anything okay. they were absolutely very last request is your request what is one of your favourite tracks of all time it has to be something that influenced me rather than something I shot. And I think we have to go back to pre-photography days uh, when I was a drummer and I was listening to music because of I, I like the drummers. By the way, when I was a drummer, I actually used to play Ginger Baker, Keith Moon and Jackie Liebzik from Cannes. They were my three favourite drummers. And I think the track I'm going to say is pretty powerful and it's pretty weird if you're going to play it, will be Aum. A-U-G-M, it's like a giant om chant <laughs> by Can. So I think it might be an 18-minute track, so I'm not okay, sure if you can we'll, play the we'll whole thing. We'll but it is very mechanical. It's the beginning of machine music. It is definitely kraut rock. It's a, it's, it's a massively important song to people like, people as diverse as Brian Eno, Matt Johnson from the, the... Can was one of those almost religious bands that created a whole era. We're talking 70s music. And okay. that's that. So it's not what well, you'd be expecting, but it's a well, funky tune. That's what you requested, and that's yep. what we're here. Yep. And all this leads me to say is, uh, Peter Ashworth, thank you very much for taking me through this lovely exhibition, Lever Gallery, Lever Gallery. in uh, Islington, Angel Islington, and it's until mid-December. Yeah, that, that's And that's if not, go to the website that we're going to advertise. Absolutely. And uh, thanks very much for your time and thanks for joining us at Change My Family. pleasure. Thank you very much for coming. It's, uh, no, it's been a fun interview. I've enjoyed it. Thanks very much for that interview and for that lovely piece of music. And if you want to know more, we've got a longer interview on our website, changefm.net, with photos, the lot. So do check it out, changefm.net. This is Change FM.
Okay, you will change your friend Gary still here. You may have heard in previous episodes I mentioned a hostel called Graham House, which is now gone and it's been replaced by Martha Jones House. And I'm pleased to introduce Antonio, who works at Martha Jones House. And you've been here. Welcome to Change Your Friend, by the way. Yeah, I've been working here for six months now, and I'm so happy to be here, honestly. Did you it, have any experience with the old hostel? Yes, uh, I had been working in Belfast, in Northern Ireland, in a wet hostel. Okay. And before that, in Germany, in wow. a, a similar project, not really close to this, but anyway, the purpose was the same, helping people that have addictions and they are homeless. Actually. So, how, um, you, so, European hostels you worked in, yeah. how do they... Now you've got experience of Britain. Yeah. I mean, how do is there really much difference, or is uh, it depends? I mean, um, it's more about the paperwork, and it's more about the government because sometimes, uh, for example, I don't know. I feel like here there is more support in a certain way, so yeah, and they give a second chance. Uh, okay. Whereas maybe it was my project there, and I don't know. But in that project in Germany. It was more about, okay, we're giving you this place, but that's it. Whereas here, I see, I see that you give a second chance, and that's okay. a great thing, support. So yeah. it's, it's more strict exactly. say, in, in the yeah. European hostel. Definitely. So what, what, what actually, um, how do I put it, have um, you been working long with the homeless? Uh, three years. Three years? Yeah. So is that, is that, what drew you into that? I mean, was that something you wanted to do? Or? Well, it's happening because of not a really personal experience. It was my father who was that kind of, in that kind of situation. Okay. And I left my career and I decided, okay, I want to be part of this and help people. And I know that sometimes it's an issue also for the families around. Yeah. That's the reason why the motivation. Yeah, uh, the have reason. you had much satisfaction over the years that you've worked uh, with? Um, it's people? like a roller coaster. It goes up and down because oh, okay, yeah. you see people that you know, it's up to the people to, to go on and say, okay, I want to change and I want to improve my yeah. life. And that is the best So it's 50-50, basically. Yeah. You know, you can help them who want to help themselves, basically. Exactly. So you've had a lot of success, or you, like you said, it's up and down, but have you seen a lot of people move on with your help? Uh, more here in UK, definitely. Okay. Uh, over the years, yes. Um, so they're just lazy in Europe, are they? <laughs> I don't know. I, I remember that uh, in Germany I have lost three clients. Lost? Yeah, uh, they passed away. Oh, okay. Sad. And they were younger than me. So, oh so did you think you'd, did you put that down to your failings or just that they just didn't want to carry on and... It's a mix, there are a mix of reasons, honestly. Yeah. And still now I feel like, not uncomfortable, but I feel pain a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, it's wrong because when you work in this kind of sector, you have to be able to make a difference between your feelings and your work well, and don't bring yeah. all these kind of things at home. But sometimes, honestly, I'm still thinking about it and I feel like, Ugh. But anyway. It's so the people that passed away, I don't want to dwell on this too much. Yeah. The people that passed away, were they under your, say, key working skills? Or? Uh, one, yes. The other two, no. But I was, anyway, I was like full time there. But you and didn't was, feel directly responsible for, for No, that. because I was in charge to do activities with them there. And I was in charge to help them to improve life skills. Okay. That could be everything outside the hostel. I understand that. Yeah. And I was spending a lot of time every day. I was not key working them, I was key working just one, while the other two were just doing activity with them. 
Okay, so Antonio, I mentioned Graham House yeah. in uh, previous episodes of uh, Change of Him, and that building is no longer there now. That housed 69 people, I believe, because I used to listen exactly. to myself. So um, you helped move into this new, lovely new building. I mean, what, what was your function from the Graham House to here? Well, we started as a team first to inform all the service users and all the people that were living there that we were moving. And, you know, there were people living there for years. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, a drastic, really uh, difficult uh, move for a lot of people because that was their house. Yeah. So we were trying, first of all, to help them to get ready for it uh, with a psychological help. Mm -hmm. And after, um, since the week before, we started to help them to pack everything, yeah. the belongings and this kind of stuff, and to help them also to understand that for the first time, they were in charge by themselves to uh, cook and take care of themselves. So, uh. so it was like pushing them to understand that it was more about the self-cutting, it was more about self-care. Okay, and so it's... The new building is more about independence. Than exactly. So, I mean, is there meals cooked for the residents here? And there is dinner. I noticed there's still cleaners. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It? But it's different because for each floor there is always a kitchen. Okay. And the rooms are new, and there is also the self catering, and there are they 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 have also the kitchen available inside the room. Some oh, of the okay. people have and uh, the space is completely different. So they have more privacy and uh, we tried to, you put on the, on the same floor people that are quiet and not too dramatic or not, you know, the troublemakers. Yeah. We tried to don't put the troublemakers <laughs> at the same, on the same floor because yeah. it was like, mm, not good. And um, what I can see is a big difference because uh, since the, there's more space for each person here, um, people are not really involved in bad behaviors mm -hmm. that, that much. And uh, they are starting to do things by themselves. Yep. And uh, I can see an improvement to me. I mean, I remember Grandma House. Grandma House, it was everything always in a rush. And <laughs> it was always like, you, I was always like he listening and hearing, like screaming and shouting. Here yeah. it's more quiet. Also because people have more freedom in a certain it's, way. I think the, the actual, the actual, um, the building itself, because uh, uh, I have experience at Grandma House, uh, the, the actual mood in the building, the lighting and, the cleanliness of the building that, that calms people, it's a common effect here, isn't it? Exactly, it's really, really relaxing. And also when they come downstairs to the duty office and they have a chat, they are really, really, really friendly and extremely relaxed. So I, I see an improvement, honestly. Of course, it's got to be, isn't it? So as I understand, you're not gonna be at Martha Jones' house for much longer, what's, what's next Unfortunately not. What's next for you then? Croydon Rich. Sorry? Croydon, Croydon. Oh, Croydon? Yes. Okay, so what's there, another hostel? Um, uh, no, it's more about supporting people with uh, moving on, you know, the next step and okay. uh, to find the right place. And it's completely different. It's, okay. it's more also about the papers in a certain way. Well, you say and it's different, I mean, in... In, in, in the in procedures, I mean, uh, here the hostel is in a certain way, it's like a shelter. It's a place where you can go when you are completely lost and you can start again to move on and understand what you want to do. Okay. Whereas that, it's more about giving a direction in a certain way to the teams. Yeah. 
So you're looking forward to this new venture with yours? Uh, yeah, definitely, because I'm... Is it a challenge, going to be a new challenge, would you call it? Sure, because as a part of... I'm a trainee, and, you know, when you're doing a traineeship, it's all about learning, uh -huh. and so I will get new skills and more knowledge that will help me in the future, in my future career, and it will help me to, to help people even more, and to be more in their shoes and understand people even more in a certain okay. way. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Um, well, Antonio, thanks very much for your time You're joining so us welcome. here at Change of Him. One question I need to ask you is your favourite track? Uh, Scarlet Walk. Scarlet Walk from Tori Amos. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll go out there and thanks very much for joining You're us so at Change of Him. Thank you. Time for a bit of a musical entertainment here on Change FM, and here's the wonderful Tony with Get It On. Thanks very much, Tony. That has certainly unblocked my ears. This is Change FM. Okay, you're Change FM, Gary Gooden here, and we've taken Change FM out on the road again to West Norwood. We find ourselves at Emmaus Charity Shop, and we're here to meet the manager, Ross. Good on. Um, well, hello there, Ross. Hi. It's Change FM. Now, how long has Emmaus been going for? So Emmaus start, was started in France in the 1940s by um, a French priest called the Abbe Pierre and it was after the Second World War 
and he was a member of parliament and with his wages he rented out a property which he called a mayor's house and he had people move in, people that were homeless looking for accommodation and what he formed was a community of people that were working for each other, that was working within a community setting. Um, they would buy a plot of land, all the guys that were living there and women would build the property and someone would move into it and they'd buy some more land. The people that weren't very good at construction, they would go out rag picking, which is where you're going through secondhand stuff, all the things that are left on the side of the road, yeah. and they would sell it, they would make money. And it was about people having the responsibility for putting the roof over their own head and the work that they're doing, paying for that roof, paying for the food, paying for all the bills. So here in Lambeth, we've got a 27 bed hostel, which is the building just to your right that you walked through on the way up. And we don't receive funding from the government. So we, the old supporting people funding, we don't get anything like that. The majority of our money comes from our secondhand shops. Um, we take in donated items, we sell what we can, we recycle what we can. And that's where the majority of our money comes from that pays for the rent, the water, the electricity, Wi-Fi through the place, the food, yeah. um, toiletries. You say um, here in Lambeth, I mean, are there ever MS? Yes, so we've got 27, 29 communities in the UK. Uh, we work on a federation basis. So each one of us, our own individual charity, but we all adhere to the same aims and ethos as each other. Um, we work quite closely with each other. Uh, we talk to each other as communities, but we haven't got a central organisation that dictates what we do. Okay. We haven't got a central organisation that we all put central management running costs into. That's how we differ from quite a lot of the other large charities. So, so um, obviously you taking people like directly off the street or referents or it's. A real, real mixture. Um, we take, we do take people directly off the streets through self-referrals, referrals from outreach teams, day centres, night shelters, members of the public, um, hostels, people that walk past who's got family members or friends they know are homeless. They'll refer them in and I'll invite them in to come and have a look around, uh, see what they think and if it's the sort of community that will work for them. So the referral process to us is a lot more casual. Um, compared to how people get into hostels. Okay. So we don't have but a local connection policy. Do you find that that could be in some sort of way slightly dangerous? I mean, is there a vetting There's, process? There is a vetting process. So it it isn't just conversations and seeing how we go. Okay. Um, there, are, there are proper referral forms that I will go through with people. When people move <laughs> in, they receive a furnished room. Um, they can decorate it how they want. They can personalise it how they want this is their home. Um, most rooms will come with bed, TV, chest of drawers, um, TV, uh, we pay for the licenses, there's Wi-Fi through the rooms with digi boxes as well. One of the big things that we do is about training for people. So whilst they're with us, they can access a, tr a central training fund um, to do training on absolutely anything they want. Um, it doesn't have to be anything to improve the business here, it can be anything to improve their own life. So if someone wants to learn how to play the guitar, I can apply for the money to get a guitar and to pay for guitar lessons. Okay. So it's absolutely anything to improve the well-being of that person and also to improve their life when they finally do move out. Okay. So how long is a, um, an average stay? Is there... 
the average stay is about two and a half years. Um, some people will stay for six months to a year, some people for four or five years. This isn't about moving people on within a fitted time frame. Okay. It's about moving people on when they're ready to move on. So we've got some people that I know full well aren't going to move for another three or four years because this is the least amount of pressure they've ever had in their life. Um, so one person in particular, he's had his entire life of pressure from the job centre, pressure paying his rent, pressure paying his bills, yeah. just everywhere he's looked, it's been pressure, pressure, pressure his entire life. And when he became homeless, he still had that pressure. Uh, when he moved into a hostel, he had that pressure from yeah. staff to move on. Um, when he moved in here, that pressure went. And for the first time in his adult life, he's not got people continuously chasing him. You must do this. You must, you must yeah, improve this. You need to yeah. move out. And it's one of the things that I absolutely love about this place is that people can press pause on their life and all of the things that have brought them to becoming homeless, they can deal with in their own time. Yeah. And every single person who's ever been homeless, who's ever slept on the streets, be it a day or two days, it is one of the most traumatic events that's ever going to happen to most people. Every bit of security, every single thing about your life that you've had comfort for has been ripped away. Mm -hmm. You've got no control on your life. Your life is now controlled by outreach workers finding you accommodation, controlled by the job centre paying you. Yeah. It's controlled by people coming to the food drop to feed yeah. you. Um, so you, you were you mentioning about um, the trauma of uh, rough sleepers. I mean, have you ever had any sort of personal experience of sleeping rough and homelessness yourself? Uh, yes, I have. It was about 15, 16 years ago. I was a bricklayer, uh, self-employed, had a tiny little business, lost my business from being a bit too greedy, had now what I know to be a breakdown, and hit the streets. I was in London for six to eight months. Um, Got offered accommodation through a work type programme. Was with that for six months and then I moved to Cambridge, carried on Brick Lane and just started working in night shelters and outreach and then found myself here six and a half years later. Do you enjoy? Absolutely love it. Success? You've seen people move on to more independent lives and you know, you know what I'm Yeah, saying. it's um we've got really good relationships with a few different housing partnerships, so Last week we had someone move out into social housing um, in South London, that's a tenancy for life. At the moment I'm currently meet, I'm going to be meeting with a tenancy to support team this afternoon for someone else moving out next week. Okay. Um, so mo mo people moving out from here, we do have a high success rate of that. Okay, that's, yeah, that's what I was getting at, yeah, cool, cool. Um, and my last request is, one of your favourite tracks of all time? Very uh, difficult question, I understand that. But, it, um, it really does vary. That's what I said one of, not actually. No, 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 it, it varies all the time. Um, really, really <laughs> weirdly at the moment, and I don't know why I'm doing it, I'm listening to a lot of old school drum and bass and jungle. Um, so anything by General Levy. Um, anything by General. General yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, we'll hear some of that. And all that's left for me to say is thank you very much, Russ, for talking to us at Change FM. Thank you. Wicked. Jungle is massive. Wicked, wicked. Jungle is massive. Wicked, wicked. Jungle is massive. Wicked. Original. Well, big up. All the original jungle is massive. The original.
original dancehall jungle is there. General leave you alongside the MB. The world is in trouble. I will tell a murderer. It goes, I am the Inca, Inca, Incredible General. Sensation now with the coming. Inca, Inca, Incredible General. Select the net. Yo, Matty will have them. on Change of Him now, we've all heard of the 12 days of Christmas, but because Change of Him isn't such a long podcast, we shorted it down and traditionalised it in our own way, and we called it the five days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, Tim's which gave to me a room with a lavatory. On the second day of Christmas, Tim's which gave to me two key work sessions and a room with a lavatory. On the third day of Christmas, Thamesridge gave to me three meals a day, two key work sessions and a room with a lavatory. On the fourth day of Christmas, Thamesridge gave to me four men rowing, three meals a day, two key work sessions and a room with a lavatory. On the fifth day of Christmas, Thamesridge gave to me Five cold teams. Four men rowing, three meals a day, two key work sessions, and a room with a lavatory. Okay, don't forget if you've got a story to tell, a song to sing, or a joke to share. Get in touch with us at changeofhim.net and share it with everybody else. This is Change FM. Okay, you're with Change FM and we're taking Change FM out on the road again. And we find ourselves at Mile End Hospital and we're at the studios of Bart's Radio and it's my pleasure to introduce the manager, Ian. Hello there, Ian. Hi, Welcome Gary. to... Thanks for joining us at Change FM. Now then, hospital radio. I thought all hospital radio stations had vanished off the face of the earth. A lot of them have, sadly. Is it is it due to the internet or just poor funding or lack of interest, would you say? There's a lot of reasons. I mm. think there's lots of other things that people bring into a hospital these days, like laptops, tablets. That happens. And also, people don't stay in the hospital as long as they used to, okay. generally. Well, it's never going to be yeah. regular listenership, was no. it? Um, no, yeah, it. Like, so you've, you've been involved in hospital radio for how long now? 35 years. 35 Gosh. years. Does it's that like non-stop? Life sentence, isn't it? Um, it's yeah, pretty non-stop. much non-stop at different places around London. Yeah. So you are Mr. Hospital Radio, basically. <laughs> Maybe. Basically what Maybe. I'm saying. Yeah. So how did you, what made you start with Hospital Radio? I mean, um, it started uh, my love of music and Capital Radio. Uh, two, radio. two reasons. That yeah. was Capital Radio back in the day. When it was a good local radio <laughs> station. <laughs> I won't, won't go off on that because I could talk for hours just on that subject. Um, but yeah, loved Capital Radio, loved music, bought records, thought... I really like the whole vibe of radio, and I've heard about this thing called Hospital Radio. And there was a place in Dulwich that was uh, at Dulwich Hospital that said, we need volunteers. So I was 21 years old. I went over there, and they were a lovely bunch of people. 
and I stayed at that hospital for about four years uh, as a volunteer. And if you stay too long at a hospital radio station, you end up running it. They're <laughs> like, you could go on the committee. You'd be good on the committee. So I ended up running it um, with some other great people. Met my wife there, and wow. we're still together. It's all, you know, not many people, I guess. Um, form romances from hospital radio but I know it happens sometimes um, and then it's only because I moved to East London that I changed hospitals um, and I've moved from various hospitals and found myself here now we set up at Bart's Radios in its current form about three years ago three years ago yeah so was it just an idea to set up Bart's Radio or just well, a, we, a group of you just yeah. with a passion for music like you say and well as you said um there's a lot of stations in hospitals that are closing. Yeah. And so this station is an amalgamation of about five different hospitals that have stations that have closed. Okay. So Paddington lost its hospital radio. There's one I can't remember the name of it now in North London that closed. Um there had been um before that like um even when I was at uh, St Andrew's Airwaves, which was St Andrew's Hospital in Bromley by Bow, there were people who had come from other stations there. And also Radio Moorfields had closed. So again, we had uh, people from there. And so it's a combination of loads of people from different hospitals who set up London Chest Hospital, which is a small hospital within Barts. Uh, that closed and the hospital themselves asked us to set up Barts Radio because St Bart's Hospital, although it's incredibly famous and has been around for like hundreds of years, they've not had a, a hospital radio station since the 80s. So they were very keen to get one. Um, and we're based here in Mile End Hospital, but we serve the main St Bart's Hospital uh, near St Paul's. And uh, so how many people are involved in, in this particular station? OK, we've got um, a team of about 20 to 30 people. Or um, presenters? Or it varies. Admins, it or varies. Um, mainly presenters. Um, some people don't do it all the time. They take breaks from it. Some will turn up once a month or so. Some are here every week. Completely varies. Um, but we are building it. Um, we've got a load of new volunteers that we're training to really grow the things that will be really big in 2019. So now, be you still looking for volunteers? That's what I should no, say. No, we're okay for volunteers. Oh, you're for now. okay for now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was just about to offer my services. <laughs> there you, go. you never know. You never know in the future. I don't charge much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something you really love doing. Did you ever want to back in the days, like say the eighties, when when I think radio was proper radio back then? Yeah. Did yeah. you want to be a part of, like, say, Capital Radio or Radio One, perhaps? Yeah, I, if I think if I could go in the, in the TARDIS back and live my life again, I would have gone. Yeah, let's let's try and be part of a radio station, uh, a, a paid radio job. Um, there were people that I've known over the years who have gone on to radio, but I was boring, and I thought, no, I'll go and work for a bank. So, and I just got stuck in working for a bank while it was a good thing to do until think, it wasn't a good thing to do. I've been involved with about, I think, well, four or five hospital radio stations since 1986. Yeah. And everyone in there, one person or whatever, always somebody who works in a bank. I've yeah. noticed that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so boring working in a bank. Um, okay, but you, yeah. say, like you were saying um, about Radio 1 and everything. Like When I worked for a guy's hospital, right. Um, Hospital radio, radio guys. Yeah. Uh, we, when we had fundraisers on, we famous people would come in. I'd just like you to name drop some. If you must have met some famous people. Famous people. Um, I, I 
because I work in community radio as well now and run a, a, another station. I've recently um, interviewed Howard Jones, who was a very big keyboard Howard guy. Howard Jones in the six in the sorry the eighties. Eighties, yeah. I was um, trying to remember. Yeah, some of his we've music, had but... Cleo Ruckus has been on talking about our oh, time then, with oh, Kenny Everett. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, oh yeah, uh, people I've w- actually kind of worked alongside. Um, there is um, Pat Marsh, who is a big uh, name in Radio Kentland. Uh, he was at Dulwich, and then he moved on to uh, a proper job at Radio Kent, and he's been there like forever. Um, Clive Bull, who's on LBC, I was at a station with him briefly. Um, yeah, so there's been a few people. So, yes. Uh, anyone you know working for Hospital Radio, have, they, have you seen them move on to mainstream on-air radio? It, it doesn't happen as much as it used to, I don't think, just because hospital radio isn't as strong as it used to be. And I think a lot of hospital people have gone into community radio okay. and they volunteer there. But we, if you look on our website, you see that Scott Mills and Greg James um, have visited us. Okay. Um, they've come to our studio in the last couple of years. And they both started in hospital radio. Oh, I did yeah. not know this. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was working for guys, like I say, radio guys, um, a couple of people went on. Danny Petroni, does he ring a bell? Oh, right, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. he started at guys. Will Gompertz. Oh, I don't know that he's, name. He's on okay. BBC Four now. All right. So that's just a couple that I've dropped I know people who, Yeah, I know people who know people. Like uh, this week I was chatting with someone who knows Norman Jay, um, who, who was very big in the black music scene. Okay. Um, for it does quite a while. Yeah, he he um and someone who knows uh Graham Dean, Nicky Horn, some of the cap- capital DJs who are still going. Sadly, we've lost a few, but Graham and Nicky are doing well. Graham Dean once told me to shut up. Well, <laughs> well, he had this little <laughs> You've competition. Got to take advice from these back guys, in, haven't you? <laughs> well, you you loved Capital Radio back in the eighties, yeah. and do you remember the Dean Machine? He still does that. He does it on, he done he it on Smooth that. Radio about yeah. thirty-five years later, yeah. and I got through. Oh wow! And I was right. I was in on his competition of doing the Dean Machine. I goes, I remember this all them years ago, but I was in sixth form college back then, and he told me to shut <laughs> up because you're making me feel old. <laughs> he still looks about twenty. He really yeah. does. It's all right. <laughs> So, tell us a bit more about Bart's radio. What's your sort of content and what sort of hours do you broadcast? Okay, well, there's always something on 24-7, like most radio stations. Okay. Um, We mainly broadcast live when we've got volunteers available. So that tends to be Saturdays, um, some evenings. Um, But we're building it. As as these new volunteers that we've got loads of them all ready to be trained up and then they'll gradually all get shows. Um, And and the good thing, it it tends to be younger people. So it's good that we get younger people into hospital radios. It's not just you know the same old people of an older age group like you and I have, have done it for a long time and before is it music based mostly music yeah music we do a bit of talk as well um, and you know we, we try and make it a mixture of music because it's so easy to get stuck in the rut of well let's still play 60s 70s music but you realise that patients now are in their 30s you know yeah. 40s May you know we've got amazing cancer wards here in Barts and you know sadly there's people in their 30s and 40s there okay. who want to hear 90s or 2000s music yeah. or modern music you know so yeah. we have to be a bit like radio 2 if we're like anything it's radio 2 music wise no no not at all not so at all. would you say because of all the hospital radio closures they've been i mean is everyone flocking to bart's radio now to volunteer um, it, yeah hmm. there's a bit of that going on as well yeah there are now very few places that people can go um yeah. 
there's I think there's one at Chelsea has still got a station there okay um, all the Barts hospitals in the group of hospitals that make up Barts Trust have all got their own stations there's us there's Whitechapel AM that's at Royal London there's Whips Cross which is over uh, kind of Walthamstow Leightonstone that way uh, they've got a, a hospital station that's been going for a long time and Newham have got uh, Woodside Radio as well so there's there's loads of different small stations. It's you still just, just a handful, really. Yeah, it's just a handful. Yeah. A, like, you know, like I say, I was involved in about four or five stations. Mm. Yeah. Um, you say community radio. I was. Well, I did work for Radio Thamesmead. Is that sort of, that's yeah. a community station? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot more of those around now. There's some sort of network, rediffusion network yeah, or something. Yeah, that's right. Do you, how do you know how many listeners you have? Because when I was working in guys, Radio Guys, yeah. if the phone ever rang while we was on air... There'd be some flurry of energy. <laughs> People just just see these hands reaching for the phone. Because the, like. the fire alarm doesn't work, and they want you out the building. Um, <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, with hospital radio, it's really important you visit the patients. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing I've learned over the years. When I was in my twenties, doing it, I wasn't that keen. Now I kind of find that as the most important bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it changes as you get older. So that's important. Any online station, you can see at any time exactly who is listening, where in the world, and it could be anywhere in, in oh, the world. Righty, yeah, can, you can see exactly how many people um, and how long they've been listening to. If they listened before, you have their URL, you have every, you know, everything. Sorry, IP address, I mean. Get me technology wrong. Um, so, yeah, you can actually know a lot more precisely than a Capital or Radio 1 who still rely on people filling in diaries to okay. say what, when they were listening. Right, because um, no, because when when I was you you worked at Dulwich Hospital Radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our tagline was uh, on the air just for you. Yeah, and yeah, I used yeah. to take it as though there's only one person listening, and <laughs> just for you. That happens. But there have been times where you make a whole amazing radio show, and you remembered you haven't pushed the button to make it go live. <laughs> or you, or I don't you, think I've ever done that. Yeah, there, there's there's things First like and, and I loads of things go wrong it happens you think oh, you know what I need to go to the loo I'll just I'll just put um, an album track long album track yeah. on and you put it on and you know put the microphone off you go out the room go down the corridor to the loo and when you come back it got stuck on the first bit of the oh. song you know, in the days of vinyl so things like that happen See, uh, uh, like guys that, that would never happen we asked to have a PA program assistant who'd queue up our records and oh that's posh no we're all um, what we call self-op means there's just Self-op, at times it only needs to be one person in the studio doing everything so um, we, we do have teams as well but. and obviously you've, you've got a website running so do you want to yep. just give that a so quick it's bartsradio.london and there's uh, pictures of some of the Radio 1 DJs on there I think okay. there's a picture of me as well if you're unlucky um, but yeah it's all about all about uh, Bart's you can find out there uh, if you want to drop us a line um, you can email me it's ian at bartsradio.london ok and you're so, uh, yeah. You're there. I'm there. Okay, and uh, you mentioned Community Radio. What's the name of that station? So Do you want to I promote that one as well? Yeah, I run East London Radio, which is basically East London, as the name suggests. <laughs> um, and we have a bigger team of volunteers there. It's a much bigger deal. We've got several studios. Uh, that's more of a talk station. Okay. You know, really giving people a voice across East London, whether it's, you know, a 10-year-old, whether it's someone who's disabled, whatever, you know, anyone can get involved with that community station. Uh, but it's about, you know, giving a positive view of East London because all you hear about is stabbings and bad things uh-huh. happening. We want to be, you know, the station that says the good stuff. And in a way, we're trying to be like Capital was in about 1978, 
probably when it was really the golden good. years, the, the golden, golden years, years of Capital Radio, when you know you had I don't know flat shares, advice lines, all that stuff. You know that's what we'd love to be like. like See, it used uh, to be. apart from the BBC, yeah. would you say that the internet has killed local radio? No, I think it's given opportunities to build a new local radio. I think what's happened, the big stations, right, Magic, Heart, Absolute, all those ones, they're run by computers now. Mm-hmm. They're lazy. Yeah, the commu- computers came in, they got rid of stuff. So you'll get someone who is, um, say, doing a mid-morning show. Mm-hmm. All that. So the, the DJ you know, is, is internally called The Talent. So The Talent comes in, records all the links for a, three days' shows, takes about an hour, mm-hmm. goes home, he's only had to be paid for an hour, They've got nine hours of, of listening, uh, yeah. but actually, it's all run by computers. Yeah. So, you know, it's got lazy. Not so much here, though. Not I mean, so. No, obviously, I, you've got computer screens around exactly. the studio, but but it you, is you need a person. To yeah, really well, it's only because you can play a um, you know, a computer file instead of having to, you know, dust off a record and put it on or a nab cart player or whatever it might be. Um, that the technology helps us here, but it's still about the people. Would you say that? The um, DJ himself is doomed. Not at all. No, not at all. Not to be replaced. No. <laughs> I, what what I think Thank is <laughs> yeah. If if you think about and I challenge anyone listening that think about where you heard great music or discovered a great band. Mm-hmm. It was probably on the radio. Definitely. You know. I mean, there's not even much music telly now. You know, it's later, and well. that's yeah, and that's about it. There's very little happening about new music. How does a new band actually break through? They've got hope in hell on Absolute. They'll struggle to to get onto Radio Two, possibly Radio mm-hmm. Six, um, but really, they're not. You're not going to hear new music. So it's about DJs being brave and doing new stuff, um, and they're still doing what they used to do, you know, thirty, forty years ago. Do you think? I don't. I don't want to sound miserable about it but you know would, would you see Bart's Radio Bart's or Bart's Radio going will it, will it survive will, will, you know I, what I mean do you not get I it don't, I don't know I don't know because it depends on people still wanting it there it's been proven um, over it's nearly 100 years old hospital radio in the UK yeah commercial radio is only like 50 years old yeah wow. hospital radio came in in the 1930s and it was like fo- football commentary when it first started um, so it's coming up to 100 years and it's been proven that it helps people get better in hospital because it cheers them up you can hear whatever music you like you know I must have been doing something wrong then <laughs> <laughs> you know so, so it genuinely cheers people up that's what it's all about and as, as long it's, as it's nice to have your you know, name mentioned even yeah, though it's only exactly. well, we say only hospital radio it's all, it, I wouldn't call it hospital radio lifeline but it's there it's personal isn't it oh, that's right and That's right. Know, yeah. Oh, um, hello to Mavis on Byron Ward or whatever yeah, Ward, you know. And that always brightens their day up, you exactly, know. Exactly, exactly. Here's your yeah. favourite track, Mavis. And mm. Yeah. You, you, you got someone visiting you who's not a doctor, not coming to examine you or bring you your breakfast. <laughs> someone will just stop and have a chat. And our best volunteers are the guys who will just sit chatting to a patient for ages. And we're like, where they got to? They haven't brought the request <laughs> back for us to play. But. You know that's what it, that's more important that they have a good chat with a patient, cheer their day up, and then play music they want to hear. Long live hospital radio. That's what yeah, I say. Definitely. Okay, are you going to tell me a joke? I, wish I need to learn some radio jokes. If anyone's got some radio jokes, please send them to me. I should be able to have those off off my cuff. Well, I'll be good. Um, all I can think of is what's brown and sticky. 
a I've not even asked that. No. A stick. I, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's it's all been I can think of. Absolute fascinating chat to you. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's like it's like it's like I've known you. <laughs> it's like I've never left Hospital Radio's hall. There you go. And there you go. Just glad to know that Hospital Radio is still going strong in uh, this part of London. And uh, I'm seriously uh, impressed with what you guys are doing at Change FM. It's really good. So well done. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you one last question, and ask what would be your favourite track? Oh gosh, I've. I know. I say it to all that's my guests, difficult. and it's. I say it's a very difficult question. It varies day day by day. Okay, one of your favourite tracks, not your all-time favourite track. One of your favourite tracks. I'm a. I'm a big fan of Paul McCartney. I of of all the Beatles, and I absolutely love "Listen to What the Man Said" by Wings. Great okay, song. so we'll hear that after I've thanked you for talking to us here at Change FM and uh, Ian Bart's Radio here at Marlin Hospital in uh, Marlin thanks for talking to us at Change FM and all the best that's great thanks a lot Gary me to say is thanks to all our lovely and interesting guests here at Change FM and as usual thanks to you for listening and don't forget to get involved with us at changefm.net and once again just thanks for listening over the past two years it's been my pleasure to keep you company and from the production team Ducky Arts Productions and Robertson Street Studios and from everyone here at Change FM a very Merry Christmas and look after yourselves have a good one from Change FM bye bye for now